darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Listen, everybody, I want you all to be quiet. I've got Ben's college yearbook here, and I just want to read you some of the wonderful things about Ben. Hey, there's the award-winning scholar. We're all very proud of you, Ben. How are you, track star? What are you going to do now? I was going to go upstairs for a minute. Oh, I meant with your future. Your life. Well, that's a little hard to say. Because a vision softly creeping Left its scenes while I was sleeping Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 22. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1967 movie, The Graduate. So, Charles, tell us about The Graduate. All right. So, Ben is a fresh college graduate who is not sure what he wants to do with his life. Um, and he decides to spend his summer destroying the Robinsons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, mission accomplished. Yeah, he, I mean, he engages in a, an affair with a much older woman yeah. and falls in love with their daughter, right? Like, and pursues her. Yep. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel soundtrack. To, yes, to the sounds of Simon and Garfunkel. Um, Especially that one song, Three Times. Yeah, they play Scarborough <laughs> Affair like three or four times in a row. And <laughs> it's a little much. Oh, no, I mean the How Darkness My Old Friend. Oh, so, uh, Sound Sounds of Silence. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. 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 They also play that one three times. And since I've seen it used so much, in other movies, usually in comedic contexts, referencing this movie, yeah. I guess it's it became kind of hilarious to me because of like they, the they, references. Yeah, they, they play it a lot. Most famously in Old School. Yep. Yeah, uh, seen that one. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Robinson, they never actually play all the way through. They get like one verse that was written just for this movie and doesn't you, appear in the studio version. Riff. You get a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. and the whistling. Yeah, um, that that shows up a few times, but there's just the one verse where they actually. Give you the line, like yes. here's the Mrs. Robinson, um, which is an interesting choice. Uh, I picked this movie. You did. I picked. I picked the graduate. You beat me to it. I, <laughs> I love this movie. I also love this movie. All right, tell us, uh, tell us why. Uh, so many reasons. Very uh, controversial to like this movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what a radical choice. <laughs> um, I mean, there's. I think we should have done this movie much earlier in the podcast because this is like the, a, a perfect film 101 movie. Like, there is so much just content here and so many things done right and so much meat on the bone uh, to to dig into and it's just such a delightful watch like mm -hmm. I've, I've seen this movie many times I saw it for the first time like most movies in high school and returned to it time and time again uh, I hadn't before this watch I hadn't seen it again in like five years and I kind of had that thing where I wasn't sure if it would hold up as well as I remember and it definitely did it was just dynamite the whole way through it's funny it's poignant it, is thoughtful. The two just titanic performances from Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft. It's and just, the guy that plays Mr. Robinson. Too. And the guy, yes, um, who we remember for as the mayor from Jaws. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yes. Uh, he's the only person to win an Academy Award for this movie. That is a tragedy. Even though it was well nominated. Mm. That is an absolute tragedy. Yeah, so it has an equal number of Academy Awards <laughs> as Suicide, Suicide Squad. Yep. Yeah, and Bancroft had won earlier for The Miracle Worker, um, but she should have won for this. She was robbed. Yes. This is one of the all-time great performances. It is. It, and so is yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Like, the two of them have such great chemistry on screen. Like the, the if you're going to give it to one or the other, though... It's her, yes. You give it to her. Yes, I yeah. agree. Um, and, like, that, the first, like, what, 20, 30 minutes of this movie is just a screenwriting masterclass. Like, every single line is mm -hmm. just 
so purposeful and it has so much intent in the movie and in, informs the characters into such clear ways while still moving the narrative forward. Like there is nothing, it tight as a drum, nothing wasted in, in that first opening sequence. Like until you get back to the Simon and Garfunkel songs again, which really mark the act breaks throughout the movie. Like there's just everything in this movie you could study and pick apart and learn a lot. Like I, I love it. I think it is one of the all timers. Why did you, why do you like this movie, Crossman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same reason. I think it's like very efficient. Yes. Movie. Yes. Like it's fast and it uses music to like really propel itself. Right. Yeah. Well, and and to mark off where it is. Right? Yeah. Like it, it, they're signposts. The performances are are just incredible. Yeah. So, um, and it, yeah, I agree. It's funny. It's so and funny. I think it, um, th there's a lot of like interesting societal critiques. I actually almost did this back to back with Brick. Sure. Because I think they're paired, they're paired very well. Apparently a lot well, of things pair with Brick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think these, those two in particular yeah. are, share a lot in common in that they're about like suburbia. Mm-hmm. And just that California suburban in particular. Yeah, well, and then, and then you know, post grad on we and a lot of that in the like alienation of like <clears throat> younger people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and uh, Brick sort of solves it through creating like this like fictional meaning and mm, right. setting, and right. the graduate approaches it through. It becomes a love story. It's very French in that way, where it's like yeah. love is really the way that you like find meaning. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Brick is like, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Does the same thing. Like he's doing what he does, like out of his love for her ex girlfriend in this like fictional setting. Yeah, well, well, love and sex, right? Because he yeah. he does find meaning through his relationship with Mrs. Robinson, whose first name we never learn. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it's just, it take, it's a, in a dark way, right? It's in yeah. a, a, a unhealthy-ish kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, very French in that respect too. I was also reminded of Garden State watching this movie and like all of those kind of like modern indie twee movies that yeah. are clearly <laughs> aping this poorly, yeah. right? Like yeah. Garden State's not a good movie. Um, yeah, this is Zach. Zach Braff's Garden State. Yes. Or Zach Braff's Graduate. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and especially that opening sequence, like when it's uh, Dustin Hoffman on the tram, the moving walkway in the airport. Yeah. And like he's just looking straight ahead and you see the world passing by him. Like Zach Braff does very similar moves mm -hmm. and then it cuts to the. And then it's carried by pop music. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Same. you, you yeah. see that this influence in modern movies very clearly because people are still ripping off now Garden State. Um, so yeah, I think that it's just so important and again, such a useful learning tool because it show, so clearly shows why it works and Garden State doesn't, right? Like just comparing and contrasting those is, it becomes clear as day. Um, you haven't seen Garden State, right, Charles? I have not. Uh, you're, you can skip it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, you it's, the, you've seen the better version. It, right, uh, right. You've yeah. seen yeah, Garden State done well. <laughs> Unless you really like Zach Braff. Like, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah how, exactly. that's how everyone reacts to yeah. Zach Braff. <laughs> yeah. No, there's some people that right, I mean, probably like Psych who will probably love Scrubs. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think Scrubs is good, but not because of Zach Braff. I think that there's... I like the... Um, the mean cartoon, doctor? No, the cartoon that they did before Scrubs. That's that a got pulled off did. the air. Yeah. So 
we don't have to get too deep into this. <laughs> the people who made Scrubs made this cartoon on MTV called Clone High. Oh, that. Okay, I didn't and realize that was the same thing. That people. was very funny. He got pulled off the air because yeah, Gandhi weird. was a character, and it yeah. was upsetting to people who revere Gandhi. Yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then they, they turned around and made Scrubs. Scrubs, and then... Cool. Clone High was very funny. Scrubs, I find to be kind of in the psych... That doesn't surprise me uh, that you feel that way about thing, Scrubs. It's just, like, very middling. Yeah, that over. is not a surprising development at all. Yeah. Uh, Charles, did you like this movie? Like, yeah, absolutely. You, absolutely. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I could say that I loved it, yet okay i might have to process it more or whatever but it was certainly a fun watch okay good i mean was it i i think it's still really funny like basically everything yeah, dustin yeah, hoppin says here hilarious. cracks me up um so it was deeply uncomfortable for me to watch because yes I, I feel like um everything that ben did was exactly what i would do in that situation yeah you kind of just like that like overbearingly awkwardness about him, it's so like his ineptitude under stress. Yeah, I love know, like I, I can strongly yeah, identify with that. That whole interaction with the hotel yeah, receptionist exactly. guy, <laughs> he's uh, talking about his toothbrush. The best, the best is when he's uh, filling out the ledger, right? He just and he screws it up <laughs> and, and rips it off, and then he can't figure out what to do with it. And so he just like stuffs it in his shirt or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he tries to put it in his pocket, but it, the jacket doesn't, doesn't have fake pockets. Yeah. And yeah. then he puts it in, just in the jacket. <laughs> right. Like, Who knows where it's going to end up. Yeah. Well, and he does that because he put down his real name. Yep. Right. Like, that was why he, that's what yeah. he screwed up. Which is hilarious, right? Because he's just this anonymous Right. Like, who the hell's person? following yeah. him? He's just some <laughs> schmuck. <laughs> yeah. The, that whole sequence. And then he tells the guy that he has his toothbrush and... Yes, I have luggage, but no, I don't really have luggage. Like that whole sequence. Is... Yeah, he's just a terrible liar. Right, and and we, he wanders into but it's that adorable, right? Yeah, it, it totally like works. Party. Yeah, when he wanders into that party, no, I'm, not, I'm not a part of this party. Anymore, yeah, so. yeah. And then it, and then it pays off later on. That when was he, a good callback. Though, yeah, though. when he brings Catherine Ross. It brings Elaine to the same hotel and everyone's calling him Mr. Gladstone yeah. and then the lady shows up and says, Hi, Mr. Brandon or whatever the hell yeah. fake name he gave. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was a great moment. Um but to your point, I think that the movie calls to that um explicitly a few times. The one that I remember is when he's in the pool mm-hmm. and his dad, who's Mr. Feeney, um, from Boy Meets World, when his dad uh says uh, you know, Ben, what are you doing? And he says, I'm just kind of drifting here. Like, yeah. that's what the movie's about, literally right? And he, literally and figuratively, yeah. he is yeah. just kind of drifting along through his through his life, which is, you know, the quintessential post-grad experience, right? In the 70s as well as now. 60s. Or 60s, rather, um, as well as now. Uh, that you just kind of finish college and don't necessarily have a strong plan and go along with whatever people suggest. Well, he's a scholar. He's a scholar, yes. Yeah, it's never revealed, like, what he really studies, right? He was on track. Um, he we was that. He was an editor for the school paper. Uh, yeah. So maybe so it was some... He he's a liberal arts major. Yeah, so he's probably in the arts, maybe some kind of writing. Um, all safe guesses. Why he doesn't have a job. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and this is also very clearly a 70s movie in that he doesn't have a job and is able 60s. to, like... Or, yeah, sorry, 60s. He doesn't have a job and he's able to, like, go out every night and, like, get hotel rooms and well, rent I mean, this. Well, they're clearly ex- all extremely wealthy. Yeah, yeah. You can tell yeah, by, like, their extravagant houses and yeah. they buy him a fucking super nice Alfa Romeo as a graduation. Is that, is that what that car was? car. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing car. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you I, could... I think it's iconic because of the this movie yes. as well, but like it's also just a beautiful car. Yeah, I mean, I don't know 
anything about cars, yeah, but you know. it just looks nice. That's, that's a nice yeah, car. That's super certainly super true. Um, but yeah, he well, wealth is, I think, very important to this movie. Like the fact yeah. that he even goes to college, right? That is a marker of wealth, particularly particularly in the sixties. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that he doesn't have to like have a vocation after college, which he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Which I think in the sixties would be like very transgressive. Like, yeah. That's like very out there. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, what I think speaks to. But look, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But his like alienation is normal, having graduated yeah. from college. Yeah. Yes, in that sense, it's yeah. normal. But yeah, yeah, I, I think it kind of speaks to the. I don't, I don't know. It transgressive nature of this movie outright, right? Because. Uh, like Anne Bancroft said that she agreed to do this movie because she hadn't, she'd never read a script that made fun of sex before, mm-hmm. and here it is. Because I mean, she came up in the forties and fifties. Yeah, and it, it shows it in like a very <laughs> adult way. Right. Well, I mean, it's where they're yeah, it's mature. It right. Yeah, it's it's mature in that sense, um, and that there isn't really any slut shaming in this movie. There isn't any like taboo about having sex but it's still serious enough to like have an impact on these characters so mm-hmm. it's like a, a mature part of their lives that they understand in in that way uh, or that at least the Anne Bancroft character understands in that way uh, which you didn't see before this outright like it just wasn't a thing in popular cinema uh, and mm-hmm. it speaks to why it's to the second test of time this is also Mike Nichols second movie the second movie he directed yeah, that's that's impressive. It is, especially it sounds like a very impressive control of tone, right? And, and framing, and, and it, it's so purposeful. Yeah, and especially since his first movie was pacing. Even. Yeah, his first movie was uh, "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf," which is also fantastic. Like he just knocks it out of the park twice in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that uh, the the very opening sequence because I think that sets up a lot of the. Visual party motifs, scene. yeah. The visual, the the party scene. I think it sets sets up a lot of the visual motifs that we see throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, so I think we see Dustin Hoffman like kind of hiding in his bedroom. Yep. at his parents' house. Yes, and um, uh, but before that, because we have the the sequence that we talked about where he's on the moving walkway. Yes, and then it cuts to him in front, a uh, close shot of him in front of the fish tank, mm-hmm. right. And so you have, and that fills the whole screen. Like, there's nothing else. It's just Fish Tank and him. And I think you see that kind of visual cue throughout the movie. Like, you see him in tanks. You see him underwater. You see him through glass a lot. Yeah, he's, well, he's like a, he's literally a captive animal. Right, so he, he is constantly being enclosed in this movie. And specifically enclosed in a way where he can see outside of it without being able to escape it. Yeah. Um, so it it happens there. Um, it happens in the car when they close the the boxer, and you can see him through the windows. It happens when he's underwater for the scuba thing. Uh, the monkey cages. You have a shot through the cage yep. into him, and then the the last sequence when he's in the church pounding on the glass upstairs. Yeah. Uh, same kind of thing. You see it over and over and over again, and they set it up right in that first shot. Um, and I think that that is really really deft on Mike Nichols' part um, and effective. Mm-hmm. Like it. It is what the movie's about right there. It shows up over and over again. One uh, thing I enjoyed and definitely noticed was uh, they always seem to make him seem very small and, like, vulnerable looking. Yeah. It, um, like, they kind of place him in a corner of the shot. And yep. It just makes him look so insignificant and weak. Yep. Like, even when he's walking up to the hotel room, he's just kind of off in, like, the lower right corner, the quarter of the frame. Yeah, there's a lot of... I mean, and there's a sequence... 
or, or there are multiple shots where Mrs. Robinson is standing on a higher level mm-hmm. than him, and he is a step below. That happens several times. It also helps that Dustin Hoffman is famously short. He's yeah. like he's like Tiny. five six or something. Yeah, he's uh, compact. Yes, he is. He is compact. Um, so I think that they kind of play that up, uh, yeah. maybe more than reality would allow you to. Uh, so yeah, I think that is also definitely part of this movie. So in the party scene mm-hmm. this time around, I noticed that like one of the characters walks by and Mrs. Robinson's like seated. Yep. And, like, you can see her in the background there. Yeah, you yeah. can see her and she like looks. I think he walks by and mm-hmm. she is eyeing him. She watches him yeah. walk by. Yeah. And it's very fast. I saw yeah. that. I was like, oh, is that her? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, and she's and she's so clearly offset from everyone else. Like she's wearing dark colors. Has a a darker complexion. She's smoking. She's smoking. Nobody else is. She's seated and nobody else is. Um, So she she looks like she's on the prowl. Yeah, and she's bored. Yeah, it's clearly not interested in being there. Um, The other thing that I like about that that long shot that they have after he leaves his room is, again, that they maintain that really tight focus on just him. Like you have the shot from above his shoulders even. It's like neck level and up. And... These, as he's coming down the stairs and talking to people, so you're just really seeing his face and not really right. seeing the people he's interacting with, um, which I think is gives this scene this claustrophobic feel um, that I think is really effective. You just have all these like random older people right. coming up and talking to him. Right. I hate that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, that's exactly how I feel when my parents have like yes. get together with people and they're all coming up to me and it's like, like who the hell I are you? I don't know these people, but they <laughs> tell me they've known me my whole life. Right. I've, I've, <laughs> yep. I've had that exact situation. Yeah. And that, it sucks. Yeah. And they just say <laughs> weird things to you that, you know, and, and like questions that you have no way of answering. Right. Yeah. Like, what are you doing with the rest of your life? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how does anybody answer that question? Uh, it's, uh, it's just, so closely tuned into the youth experience um, or the young person experience, uh, and, and especially like the, the famous line where he talks about the plastics, right? Which very famous. Line yeah. Was, uh, See, I only know fathers. that one because they play that quote whenever you research plastics in Civ Five. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's what now you know where it comes from. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, the funny thing is that that dude was totally right. Right, like if, if you're yeah, are huge. yeah, if, if you you're poured your money into plastics at that moment, you'd be making a lot of money. You'd be yeah, a, you'd, you'd be very wealthy, set for life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just nailed it. But it, it's so it's hilarious just because it's so plain. Yeah, right. right yeah, it's was so it boring. supposed to sound yeah. really like weird or like outlandish? As no, a it's just to be like a, join this industry. Plastics would be still pretty new, so yeah. it's like. Right. Hey, jump into this, but it's meant to sound really boring. Yeah. Like, well, like because you like just dedicate in today, your to would it be like plastic. someone walking up to him and going like two words, solar power? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would be something. I think like it would be that. way more boring. I think yes. more boring. Like, I, I think it's like okay. probably obvious at the time that plastic is going to be a big okay. thing. So right. I I think it's more like. You got to be in tech. Like, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so an adult <laughs> telling you to be in tech. Right? Yeah. Oh, like, really? Oh, thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, with no sense of what you actually want, what you're good at, what you want to pursue in your life. It's just, here's this. What you do with plastics. Right. Here's this generic the, uh, advice so generic that it's useless. Right, mm-hmm. like like uh, that is certainly not the first time that yeah, the, that Ben had heard the, about plastics. The older guy just thinks he knows everything. Right, he's trying to be a smartass. Right, he's still right. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> still oh, right. Yeah. Got into plastics, but he doesn't it's know. Not it. helpful <laughs> advice for him at the time. Yeah, and it's not no. it's not necessarily good advice for Ben. Yeah. Right, like it might be good advice for the world at large, or you know, invest in this growing industry. But 
what does he want? And that's what the movie's about. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think Ben is like purposely lax in industry. Like, yeah. We don't know what Ben studied, I think, very much on purpose. Cause yeah. Right. You get he's, brief hints, but yeah. But yeah, he's somebody who like, his character like doesn't find meaning in in, in industry. No, yeah, like that, and and he, I mean, he has that privilege because he comes from a super rich family, but um, yeah, that's not what he's seeking. Yes, yeah, and yeah but he, it's interesting to like not have a trade for Ben. Right, right. Well, and and it's a rejection of like of capitalism. Right, and rejection like, of what his parents want. Right, like this is a, another movie like Breakfast Club and like you know Easy Rider that came out a few years later and stuff like that, where it's just. Saying no, I'm not going to follow what you did and what your parents did, and da, 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 da. yeah, he's like not an obvious cog for right. industry, right? And um, I think that's interesting, and again, like kind of progressive for yeah. for the moment. So, uh, this is a, I think this is a progressive movie, is outright. I yeah, think, I think so that there's a lot of progressive things in this movie. Yeah, that, I think that's one of them. That like his 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 alienation is directly related to the fact that like. He, he does not have a natural place in the world. Yep. Part of part of it's because he's wealthy, but part of it's also because he doesn't draw meaning from industry. Yeah, or from yeah. making money, or from yeah being an employee. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The, but then the uh, next step from that is that because he doesn't have that direction, and because capitalism isn't offering him that direction, he is vulnerable to any suggestion of what he do, does outside of that, which is why well, Mrs. Robinson like, can prey on him so easily. That is true. Yeah. He's also like this completely wayward soul, right? right? That he, because he's not partic actively participating in capitalism, <clears throat> has l nothing to do. Yeah. Like, because yeah. <laughs> there, there's, again, we run up into this in a few movies, there's nothing outside of capitalism. Yep. Yep. If you reject capitalism, there is nothing for you. Yeah, you're just like, re rejecting so you just sit in the pool. Society, all yeah. Day. Which is and exactly like, what inside. his, like there's that yeah. really pretty critical moment where his yeah. dad says, what are you doing? I'm just drifting. And then after that, he has the line, the dad has the line where he's like, I understand uh, what is a young man who's done good work uh, would want some time for himself. But after a few weeks, yeah. <laughs> that, that's how much time it takes yeah. to figure out exactly what he, he ought to be doing a few weeks. <laughs> that, that's funny, though, because it's paired well with Mr. Robinson, who's just like... So your wild oats. Yeah, yeah, he's an alcoholic, and <laughs> yeah. he's like, he, yeah, he's like, yeah, you should drink and, and hang and, out by the pool and, and, and chase go after women. meet women, yeah. And, yeah, well, I, and that... For ironic effect. Yeah, for very it plays ironic so effect. ironically in, yeah. that, in that moment. Um, because that's exactly what he's been trying not to do with yeah. the guy's yeah, wife. That's such a great. So he sits down with Ben in this great yeah. heart to heart of like, yeah. You should go out and, and at a very stressful and awkward moment. Yes, right. Yeah. And his advice is, you should go out and bang my wife. <laughs> like that yeah. is basically what exactly. he tells him, yeah. which is uh, hilarious. Um, and to, and it's just another example of just how tight that script is, especially in that that sequence. It's also disturbing that they keep. Like strongly coercing him to drink, knowing that he's driven there. Yeah, that's they're very casual about that. That's just sixties alcohol culture. Yeah, 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 that's six. So right. that that read very sixties. So yeah, the architecture in this movie very sixties. Like the furniture. Well, of course, it's it's shot because it, it, yeah, it takes place yeah. in the well, 60s. like what we think of as the sixties is captured very well. Yes. in this movie. Yes, the like sort of free flowing alcohol. Mm -hmm. The 
these kind of parties that are like constantly yep. happening. Yep. These like house parties. Um, and I think that's just because there's like nothing else to do. So it's like, what do you do after work? Because you get home at like five fifteen, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you like you hang out. You you go to somebody's house. You invite drink them over. You all drink. The kids do whatever. Yeah. And then and then you, you roll into and you repeat. Yep. Like, roll into work at ten thirty the next day. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, but not too bad. Or even Mister uh, Mister Robinson's coming back from golf. Right. That's, right. That's like a very like suburban high like wealthy yep. activity. Yep. Because again, you have the time, you have the space, you have the means. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they have free time, right? This is a marker of, of class. It, and yeah. Like being very wealthy. And of a booming economy. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they live in Pasadena is really important too, because it, okay. it's like a. Oh, did they specify that it's Pasadena? No, it's shot in Pasadena okay. and reads very Pasadena. So it's like a it's a wealthy suburb of Los Angeles. Like you drive. Oh, it's a long way to Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. So we can get to that. Yeah, he's he's making some pretty impressive. Laps. I thought they were in like Hillsboro <laughs> or California or something like that. Where it's like a no. He lives in Pasadena. And, okay, and then they're going out to Santa Barbara, which is like another end yeah. of that triangle. Anyway, How far is that? Um, Pasadena to San Francisco would be like three and a half, four hours. Okay, that's a good drive. With, with, yeah. with traffic, it would be like six. <laughs> okay, um, there's always traffic. Yeah, Santa Barbara to Pasadena would be like. And it's like two hours, and it's across the valley. So if you hit traffic, it would be it could be a long drive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So these these are long drives that he's doing, and when he's driving very fast, which he does, yeah. Uh, later in the movie, uh, it's meant to be like he's getting there in like three hours. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why his car is like so worn down too. Right. Well, and he just kind of he it's runs out of gas, symbolism. right? Yeah. 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 The, the symbolism is important. Yeah. His beautiful bright red car getting all tarnished. Right. Yes. And I mean, run, literally running out of gas yeah. um, and figuratively. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I, not, I not just that, but he also, like, because he leaves the car at the side of the road. Yeah. He's like, he's re rejecting, like, the trappings of yep. his wealth. Yep. And he's like, at that <clears> moment, he's finally free and succeeds at what he's been looking for. Because what he. Thinks he's been looking for. What he thinks he's been looking yeah. for. Like, but he finally gets the girl when he right. finally rejects, rejects his car. Every, right. Well, and his family. And, and his, even his clothing. His yep. clothing is gets all dirty. It's kind of like yeah. a yeah. representation of him being trapped in his family life, right? Yep. Like, it's a gift from his parents, but it comes with stipulations because he has to, you know, follow what they tell him to do. Yep. Um, yeah. He's kind of become this object that the parents can try to fulfill their own, like, uh, feelings of yeah, their own ambitions. Um, yeah, yeah. They kind of you know live vicariously through him now, um, but then they have all these expectations that they heap on him, and the car is kind of a representation of that. Yeah. Well, and and they set the car up as that symbol earlier in the movie during the date with Elaine, because um, okay. they they he has the top down right, and they're eating their burgers and talking about how they're don't just don't know what to do, and people ask all these questions, and it's so confusing, and you know parents just don't understand. And they have this, and it, and they have this moment where, like, the car next to them is too loud, so they pull their food into the car and they close up the, um, the top and roll up the windows, so they're confined in their space that they can see into, and we can, uh, they can see out of, and we can see into, um, but they're enclosed in it together, right? Mm -hmm. that, that they're they're locked in together. So when he abandons the car, it's not just the cage that he was confined to. It's the cage that he and Elaine were confined to right. and where they bonded and they escape it together into the bus. Also, 
more important signals of like California. Like they go to a drive-in diner. Yeah. yeah. Like they eat in the car. A strip club. Like, it's all like car culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that that this also leads to um, just how thoughtful uh, Dustin Hoffman's performance is in this movie. Because uh, if you if you look at that opening sequence when he's at really any point he's talking to Mrs. Robinson, um, and his all his del- his delivery is so stilted and reserved and stiff, right? And the first time you see him talking like a person is that sequence with in, in the car with Elaine. Like, that's, that's the first time where he's just, like, having a conversation. Well, did he have that, like, that talk feels. no adults tone of yep. voice? <laughs> yeah, which he's doing the whole time. Um, but it means you also don't see them as your equals. You see them as superiors. Right, yeah, as authority figures. He's yeah. also, like, very monosyllabic. So. Yes, yeah, it's just, yeah, d- 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 yeah, yeah. very rigid. Um, and he finally stops doing that once he's once he's talking to Elaine, and he doesn't really shift back. Yeah. Um, he, that, that's just how he delivers his lines for the rest of the movie. Um, and he, he doesn't call attention to it. Um, he doesn't have any dialogue about it, but it's it's a very clear break uh, for the character. Uh, so good good choices from Dustin Hoffman. He's an, he's an all-timer for a reason. Yeah, he's, he's great. Yeah. Have you seen any Dustin Hoffman movies before this one? Have you seen The Rain Man? I have not seen that. The, the strongest impression I had from him was his role in Stranger Than Fiction. That was a good movie. Yeah, I like Stranger yeah, Than like Fiction. I like that one a lot. Have you seen that one, Which one's that one? That's the one with Will Ferrell, um, where the stuff he writes becomes real. Oh. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like a silly premise. I think he realizes he's in someone else's story. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, um, the stuff somebody else writes becomes Emma real. Emma Thompson is like writing a story, and everything she writes happens to him. Happens to Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. yeah Maggie Gyllenhaal's in it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. still pretty I feel good. Like I know what yeah. Dustin Hoffman's like a psychiatrist or something. Yeah, yeah. He pops up in a lot of stuff. Yes, he does, he does like a lot of smaller roles as he's aged, but yeah, he's great whenever he pops up all the time. Up. And and he is good in Rain Man. Um, um, and so yeah, I, I, I like Dustin Hoffman. There's another movie that he's really oh, um, All the President's Men. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Which yeah, it, yeah which, you haven't seen that, right? No, I haven't. It, it, it feels a little too timely to do that right now, but yeah. it's. Uh, He's, and it's a part of the Paranoia trilogy. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like that, the Parallax View, and then the Night of the Condor or something. Something of the, the Condor. Flight of the Condor. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Which are less good, but also interesting. Yeah, all the President's Men are like a lot. These are all like Nixon-era films where um, the same director directed all three of these films, and they're about... All the President's Men is about the Watergate scandal, right. and then the other two are fictional, but sort of based around this like shadowy government like conspiracy theory stuff, okay. which is like parallels well with with the Watergate scandal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Dustin Hoffman's in All the President's Men and in one of the others. I don't recall, but yeah. yes, that sounds right. Um, yeah. I don't remember if he plays Woodward or Bernstein, but uh, he plays one of them. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and but, then Robert Redford's the other one. Yeah. Uh, Robert Redford's in the other two as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, the other performance I like a lot in this movie is obviously the Anne Bancroft performance. Uh, outstanding. Yes, yes, outstanding. And, and she, historic performance. Yeah, and she plays against Dustin Hoffman so well, yeah. right? Because like, they're, they're giving such different energies throughout, especially the sequence, um, the opening sequence when she first... Propositions him because he he comes across as 
reserved, unconfident, uh, unsure of himself, and she's the opposite, right? She's giving him orders. She's telling him what to do. She's saying what she needs. She's like taking control of the situation. Yeah. And it, it just, it's such a great yin and yang for, uh, for, for the two of them. Um, I don't know, how'd, that, how'd those scenes work for you, Charles? Um, I mean, they worked. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, you, yeah, that's you, kind you of You get a, a very clear... Not a helpful question. Uh, I, I got a very clear impression of, like, the difference between the two. Um, yeah. Like, her assertiveness, uh, pulling along Dustin Hoffman um, I, very powerfully. I think yeah. one of the best is when they're in the hotel. Yes. Uh-huh. God, it's such a good when scene. When they first meet at the hotel. And oh, I was thinking a different one, but well, yes, she's that one in too. the bar, and he's in the lobby in yeah. the phone booth. <laughs> oh, there's a, yeah, there's another case. Phone booth. Oh God, yes. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. "Is there something you wanted to tell me?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I appreciate this so much. Yeah, yeah. Dear God. That <laughs> is, like, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, like this is another thing that like that scene, the hotel sequence in general, uh, is another spot where modern comedy steals from this movie liberally. Right, because it's cringe comedy, right? Like that is just The Office, right? Played, played in it's, a film. It's done better though, because like, right. you care about the ex- right. That, uh, exactly Dustin my next Hoffman point. Yeah. Hey, I right. care about the people on The Office. Right, but you you don't care about like most of the time when you see this kind of cringe humor, you're not at all empathizing with the person who is causing it, right? And, with and, the cr- cringy character. Yeah, and, and and that's how The Office got beyond like the English version of The Office. Yes, so the English version of The Office and the first season of the American uh, version. Of the At Office, least the first season. Yeah, um, the characters are awful. Yeah, yeah. and then in the American version, they were like, "Well, how do we get beyond this?" It's like, yeah. "Well, we should like make humanize. you. We need to. Yeah, exactly. We need to be people. We need to actually like them. And, right. Yeah, because if you can't have you know seven seasons of that shit, sure. and that's that's yeah. why this is so much more effective. Yeah, is because they do the the work so efficiently and so crisply to make you care about. Uh, ben and make you understand what his needs and wants are and like why he's doing the stuff that he's doing yeah. so that when he acts like a total spaz you un- <laughs> it's funny but you understand why it's happening right. so it becomes both funny and poignant and uh, empathetic and, and cathartic once he gets over it uh, and terrifying for and, me. and ter- terrifying for anyone right like that I think that it, it's it, it's so effective in in that way um, and I like that Anne Bancroft gets these little moments where she can like be amused by him, right? That, yeah. Like she, she never actually, yeah, she never actually states it, but like after he has that conversation on the phone, she gets like this little smile as she's wa- watching him walk away, and you can like see that she is kind of she sees him squirming she's under her thumb, in on the joke, yeah, yeah, and and just finds him amusing. Uh, yeah, she. I I felt her to be in this watch through like a lot more sympathetic. She um, is. Was like I didn't yeah. remember that as much, but this time around I was like, oh, she's like actually kind of pitiful. And yep, you're getting older. Yeah. Well, they're they're but they're alienated for like the same yep. reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, so like they're both kind of like stuck in these wealthy circles, and in the same way that like he doesn't have a job, her job was taken away from her yeah where it's like her she we learned that um in their in kind of the most like touching scene in the movie um she was studying art at college and then became pregnant and then had to drop out essentially and Mm -hmm. then got married to mr robinson and now which you got knocked up yeah yeah and now no longer 
works because of that. Yeah, she or was like does not anything. allowed to yeah. because like the the patriarchy is in full effect because it's the fifties or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean 60s. that that yeah. Well, the, we, when they got married, like, it, yeah. it would have been the fifties. <laughs> yeah, but this um, carries through the sort of suburban housewife of certainly. the sixties. Certainly, so, because she's not allowed to work, there are like they are compatriots in that. Yep, he doesn't feel a place in work and she is not allowed. excluded from it yeah yeah societally ex- yeah that, that's the scene i thought you were mentioning earlier when you yeah. talked about like the great scene with the two of them is yeah. that that whole sequence it, it almost works standalone as a short film like mm-hmm. it's just so well executed yeah and it, it it builds up these characters so well and the the framing of it is just right like that great shot mm-hmm. of her lying down on her side of the bed and him uh next door like just that they do so much with that space mm-hmm. and and the lighting there is absolutely that dynamite um and that's when you get the most famous shot in the movie which is on the poster yeah. um with her leg in the pantyhose and him you know half dressed in front of the doorway and it, he he finally like has an emotional connection yes. that he had been looking for yeah i mean because he's but, it, that he's aching for it right yeah. like he it, he is just so desperate for it that he's willing to like put himself out there for this woman who clearly doesn't give a shit about him at all, mm-hmm. uh, and it, you just see this longing from him that is not being satisfied, and she just doesn't have the tools to satisfy it because she spent an entire life not having any outlet for her desires or her wants or her needs. Uh, it, it's these two people that just cannot connect with one another, and so they grab onto the closest thing, which is just sex with a stranger. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Glad, well, glad we agree. Her, her <laughs> sort of societal position, yeah, and way of breaking out of it, I think, is also like very progressive. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. No question. Like there, and and this again that this movie isn't passing judgment on the fact that she is having sex outside, having an affair, having sex with a younger man like that. That's not what's bad about her, right? No, it's bad because she's. Because she's, she's terrible to him. Right. He treats yeah. him poorly. Yeah. Right. But it's not because she's having sex mm-hmm. with somebody who wasn't her husband. Right. Like, that's not what's the bad act here. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't even, like, I, I think it's good that she does that. It's, like, kind of her rebuke of oh, yeah. society. It, I, I, I totally, you understand her perspective. Yeah. Right? Even as the villain. And she eventually is the villain in this movie. Yeah. Um, it, you totally get where she's coming from. Yeah, it's really an extraordinary performance. And a lot of that is her, right? Yeah. Like, some of it's on the sheet, but a lot of it's just her drawing it out. Yeah. Charles, what do you think of Ben once he starts going to Berkeley? <laughs> uh, I just thought he became a crazy person, really. Yes. I mean, he becomes a, a stalker. That's exactly what he does. <laughs> he's, just, he's just straight up a stalker, yeah. yeah. I was like, what the hell is going on here? I started losing any of my sympathy for him when he's just like camping out her classes and that kind of stuff is just absurd. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it is. <laughs> I, I was just like, what the hell is going on here? And, and, I can't tell if we're supposed to feel that way or if that was intended or not. Or or if we're supposed to sympathize with him as like a, he's going after his love. I think there's probably some of that. And I think that it's... The that's mo- where the movie started to feel less progressive to me. It's yes, like, I agree. Well, if you just stalk this one yeah. <laughs> in a very unsettling way. Yeah, like, I think yeah. that that is falling into some rom-com traps that yeah. were laid in the she, 40s and she 50s. She just like, totally goes for it, right? I mean, he like follows mm. her on the bus into the zoo, uh, and then she like leaves him in a huff. But then 
she comes back up to his room that she like knows right where it is somehow and yeah it's it's unclear why she likes that and part of that is that Catherine Ross is not the greatest actress (laughs) like she is like Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft run circles around her sure I I don't think it's totally her fault though like I don't don't think the plot makes as much sense no it, it it doesn't but she's Okay, like <laughs> sure. I I don't think her character is written like no. Well. It's no. It is not. I I completely agree with that. Um, like I, if anything, like when she ran off with the guy, like it's like all right, the end. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. Ben Ben killed himself. Like right. Yeah, and I think I mean part of the. I think that it comes together at the end, though. Right, like I think the, the the messaging of the movie comes together at the end. I agree. Right, because the, the, this movie has a very famous last shot. Yeah. Um, and a very famous hold on the last shot. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Before we dig into it, because this feels like the right time to do that, uh, Charles, how did that strike you? The very very end. Um. Well, it seemed pretty clear what was happening there. I mean, they weren't subtle about their facial expressions. Right. Right. It's that like. You know, I did something impulsive, and now, oh God, what are we gonna do next? Exactly. Like, do I regret this decision? And I'm just like, oh God, this is gonna end terribly. <laughs> right. I I think that kind of salvages the latter third of the movie. Famously, it's unscripted. Yes. Fam- yes. That. Oh, yeah. Yes. That yeah. was not planned. They got on the bus, and there was like no script after that. Yeah. And so that that's just yeah. mostly Dustin Hoffman and and to Catherine Ross's credit. Uh, uh, Doing something really important to that movie, like that really changes that the messaging so in that movie. Yes, I, I think it completely changes what the the movie is saying and what the last sequence is. Because imagine if they're if they hop on the bus and they you know make off for a little while and like it cuts to black as they're all happy. Like that's a totally different yeah. story, yeah. right? And and it, it recontextualizes everything that happens in the last like half hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I, I think. With that moment at the end, Catherine Ross being like this receptacle for uh, whatever it is that Ben thinks that he needs makes sense, right? And is meaningful mm-hmm. because it's love. He's looking. He's in love, right? He thinks he's in love, right? Mm-hmm. But what he's seeing in that, what, what he you see him realizing in that last moment is. I don't know anything about this person. I don't know how. I don't really know how she feels about me. I mean, I I haven't really figured out any of the stuff that I've been trying to figure out for the last year. Yeah. And in that sense, what he's doing with Elaine is no different than what he's doing with Mrs. Robinson. Well, I mean, kind of how I saw it is uh, upon thinking about it afterward. Uh, like most of the first half of the movie is him kind of being at the whim of those older than him and sure. being pushed around and like being used by them for their edification and satisfaction. Uh, And the turning point is when he has the date with Elaine because he's coerced into it by his parents, like (coughs) chiding him to go on this date with their friend's daughter. Mm -hmm. And he like kind of just has to do it. It goes terribly, right? But then it turns around when he decides to actually let her in and like get to know her for real. And I think that at that point, uh, his relationship with her is kind of his outlet for escaping from the older people's um, coercion and forcing and desires and all yeah. that. And so his love for her is kind of him breaking free uh, and finally, you know, living for himself in a way. 
Um, but when he finally like goes out and gets her and like frees them both from their parents' uh, grasp, um, they're kind of lost um, yeah. without their parents. Do you think Elaine and Ben are in love? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't think Actually, so. I think, I do know. I think it's no. I don't know. Do you think they're in love, Crossman? I don't think it really matters. <laughs> really? Yeah. I think it's super important. Like, I think it's... Well, I think what it is... I, I think that's, like, a much more adult, like, moment where... I think of the same way that, like, when you sort of, like, do things as an adult, you, like, you think that what the moment that's important is, like, when it starts, and it's yeah. really, like, after that. Yeah. Um, that's and they're learning. You see them learning that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, like, a very dull moment. So it's the same thing, like, when you get a job. Like, it turns out getting a job is, like, the easiest part. It's, yep. like, you Keeping have to the job. like, be good at your job. And the same thing in relationships. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I think you see him learning that. Yeah. Um, I think what you see is also, because he, he is maybe a virgin when he... Sleeps with Mrs. Robinson. He like, definitely is, right? He, he, he almost, he probably yeah. is. Like, they don't say it, but he probably they is. They joke about it. Yeah. But he gets so mad about it. Yeah. Right. And he's, he's, he claims that he's not, right? But I think he's lying. Um, and so. That's also like 60s college. You would have had like men's dorms and women's dorms. <laughs> right. Like yeah. We don't know where he went to college, but, you yeah. know. Uh, so I think Well, he's, he probably went to an Ivy League school, right? Because he's flying home. Yeah. So he, he makes reference to being out east. Right, it's, yeah. which is implied that he's at Ivy League. Yeah, yeah. So he's at. I think a lot of them didn't even accept women for a while, right? Columbia I didn't. I Columbia didn't accept women until the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it could have been Columbia or Yale or Harvard or something like that. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's very plausible that, or like the way I read that scene at the end is, he has no understanding of sex at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Right. He thinks like many versions do that it is the be all end all that once you have sex that you start to understand so much more about human relationships and what it means to connect to someone he has meaningless sex all summer learns that that isn't true and therefore moves on to the next thing and the next thing is oh what I actually need is a close I, I need love right I need to experience what love is with the, the first person who has any yeah. kind of affection he, for me yeah yeah but he also confuses love with marriage Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, well, but he he confuses love with infatuation and with yeah. you know just this being a stalker. <laughs> with being a stalker. But I mean, he he <laughs> thinks he falls in love with her when he has this first kind of actual sincere connection with someone, and that's of course not how a relationship functions or how it grows. Right. Like well, it might you need be the strongest emotional connection he'd had. It, that. Right. And so therefore he inserts into that date all of his desires and all of his needs and everything that has been a shortcoming in his life so far. Mm -hmm. And the solution to all of these problems are to get with Elaine. And so that last moment when he finally, once again, achieves the thing, just like he achieves sex with Mrs. Robinson, he achieves love and a relationship with Elaine, and he sees in, in, at, in the bus at the end that, oh wait, this isn't the answer either. Like this is also not good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it, and that's why I mentioned earlier that really, it, it, what he's doing isn't any different. That what he's doing at the end of the movie isn't any different than what he's doing at the beginning of the movie. Like he's, it, it's a process and he's learning, but he hasn't figured it out yet. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's still young. He's only twenty-two. He's, he, he, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The twenty. No, they celebrated his twenty-first birthday. Yeah, so yeah. even younger in his uh, scuba suit. 
Yeah. That I was wondering about that scene. That was a very strange scene. <laughs> I don't know so why it was weird. there. Yeah. Was it just another scene to show that he's like so at the mercy of his parents? It, there's that. I think it calls back They're to the kind of humiliating him for their own gain. Yeah, and it, it calls back to the visual motifs that we talked about earlier. He's he ends that sequence underwater, right? And he's so he's confined in the water. He's yeah. also confined in the suit itself, right? See, I thought that scene was funny. I I it it was exactly like some of the scenes in 2001 A Space Odyssey, which came a year after this, yeah. actually. But you see, like, the first-person view. He's seeing through the mask, and it's, like, yes. very confined. And yep. All you hear is his breathing. Yeah. Kubrick? Totally could have stolen that. That is... He's, <laughs> he's a good director. He's, yeah. <laughs> the good ones steal. Being in the... Like, the scuba suit, he starts... It's very important that he starts in the house. Yeah. And so it's... Yeah. There's no point, right? That you don't need to be in a scuba suit in the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's just this, like, this gift which is very expensive right and he's wearing it in the house it's it's like this showing that like the the wealthy objects that you have are completely useless mm -hmm. well, and, and not just useless but yeah. ridiculous and ridiculous <laughs> right yeah. it's it's absurd for him to right well i thought like he was like a circus animal for his parents. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like locked up in the barn to bring out as a show. Right. Well, I mean, which is, and then you see it again when he goes to the but, zoo. But they don't understand right. what he needs, right? They give yeah. him the most useless object. <laughs> so you're right that yeah. he's for show, but they, they give him the, the least useful thing. Yeah. He doesn't need a scuba suit on land. <laughs> no. Right? Or no. in the pool. Or in right. Pasadena. Or in Pasadena. <laughs> right. Which yeah. is nowhere near <laughs> anything. Pacific. Right. Like so. who brings who puts a scuba suit in a in a pool? Right. Like that's I guess when you learn how to use a scuba diving thing, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and they specifically call out that it's two hundred dollars, which I assume is like in a thousand like a few thousand dollars. Yeah, so in, in nineteen sixty eight bucks, yeah. that's yeah. a lot of money. Um, we can look it up, actually. Okay, keep going. I'll, I'll uh, let you know. So yeah, I think I think you're you're absolutely right. Just the that the the parents don't understand. Um, one of the things that I liked a lot about this viewing, and I guess I picked up on it earlier as well, is this movie has a lot of good transitions um, from yeah, scene to scene. Uh, Fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred dollars. That's that's, that's a very lot. expensive gift. Obviously, yeah. it's a, it's a very expensive gift that is totally useless and unwanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, Probably sat in his closet after that day. Forever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but there, there's the one transitional moment that I remember really well when they have the longer musical montage in the beginning of the movie, um, and you see him at the, where they play uh, "April Comes She Will," which is a gorgeous song. Um, you see him uh, diving onto the raft in the pool, mm -hmm. and it cuts pretty seamlessly to the bed. In yeah, the hotel room, yeah. um, which I I just thought was a, a, among many really gorgeous shots in this movie, and and it shows how deft Mike Nichols is with the the technical end of film for a guy who's made two films at this point. Um, same thing with the there's the shot where he is uh, in you have like a bird's eye shot of the Berkeley campus. That's empty, and him sit, except for him sitting at the fountain, yeah. and then it transitions to the, the full ca campus. The campus. Is it? Is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Berkeley uh, wouldn't let him shoot. Why didn't he just? Okay, the <laughs> safety at USC. Um, but I, I, yeah, I didn't know that. But the, it, then it transitions to the full. Better school. Yeah, it is, uh, the the full campus um, with him uh, having not moved, uh, and him waiting outside her classroom with the bell rings, and then it. Mm -hmm. 
brings right away and he picks up the conversation right where it was. Um, speaks to Mike Nichols' skill. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. I, I forgot about that until you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, right. Why not? <laughs> Charles, you're a car guy, right? Somewhat, yeah. Um, any guesses of what his car is worth? Jesus. <laughs> I'm not very good at car values. Okay. Uh, they're surprisingly affordable. You can get one for like 40 grand, 30 grand. Okay. Which it's is like, like from 1967 or whatever. 1967 Alfa Romeo Spider. Wow. Nice. Spider. Okay. I wonder how much it cost in 19. Spider's just the name they use for that kind of car where it's like a convertible roadster. Okay. It's roadster. A type of car like sedan. Okay. Oh, okay. Hatchback. They call I, that a spider. I did not know that. Because yeah. that means there's no back seats, right? I think so. Okay. I don't know the specifics of it, but I know it involved like having a convertible roof. Okay. Hmm. Well, now I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, surprisingly important. Yeah. So, uh, what, what's our. Uh, Final verdict on this on the graduate, Charles. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I, <laughs> okay. I, I still don't know if I would say that I that I could say that I love it with the same passion that you guys seem to have. Um, but you know, I definitely enjoyed watching it, um, and I can see all the great things that you know that were done, um, both acting, directing, writing, you know, all that. Um, so many. Yeah. Yeah. You think you'll watch it again? Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to wait a while because that's well, true of every movie. Any movie, yeah. yeah, yeah. I would of course watch it again. Okay, good answer. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty enjoyable film for me. I'm, yeah, I really I'm, like this one. I yeah. saw it first in high school. Me too. They showed it in oh, like in high school actually in class. Okay. Um, my first exposure to this movie was my I used to go to Blockbuster with my dad all the time, and my dad <laughs> rented it, mm -hmm. uh, and I had no idea what it was. Um, but he told me it was supposed to be a very famous movie, but I did not end up watching it with him, and I guess I'm glad I didn't. Because now we like, can do this. Yeah. 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 But it also, it seems like it would have been an I awkward movie watch to watch with my parents. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we got to see it in high school because it's rated G. What? <laughs> yeah. There's nudity in there it. There is. Very brief nudity in it. There's only two ratings at the time, G and R. All right. And, and they said it was closer to G. G. Yeah, they settled on G. That's so. amazing. Yeah, General. so they're like, we don't even need to, like, need to do permission slips. <laughs> All right. Rated treat. You're VPG 13 now. Probably. It's like very brief nudity. Yeah, I mean, it would be a light PQ 13. There's no swearing. There's no swearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, he gets it's called a. It's like very brief nudity. Yeah, he gets it. called a degenerate. Yeah. Uh, which in, uh, in a fantastic delivery. That would be like adult themes. Yeah. Be the, yeah, adult. <laughs> yeah, there are there, adult there is, themes. There is a flash of nudity. A couple, yeah. yeah. Um, which is another just great moment from. Mike Nichols, right? Because there's really no quick cuts in this movie except for that moment. Yeah, because he's so uncomfortable with it. It's a very right. good representation of the panic you would feel in that kind of situation. Well, and what he's literally doing, right? Because he yeah. is, he's looking briefly and then, oh God, looking away, yeah. right? And like, and that's just what the camera is yeah, mirroring, exactly. is his his own activity there. And it, it communicates it so clearly. Oh, did you, I mean, it's hilarious when they're in the church and he grabs the crucifix. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was so they probably absurd. got in a lot of trouble. You did that. that, yeah. And then use the cross to to trap them in. The yeah. yeah. Which again gets back to our same themes with, of confinement, then caging in, right? Like he flips the script, right? Like he traps them inside this big glass space, yeah. right? And while he escapes with his 
with his prize. Yeah, um, famously reenacted in Wayne's World 2. Yes, uh, that's been reenacted several times. This is yeah. another in one of several movies we watched that is uh, referenced in The Simpsons. Like that scene specifically um, yeah. is recreated on The Simpsons. Um, Oh, does it? Homer's laying on the glass, and yes. then he like falls through the glass, <laughs> yes. and then yells. And it's super loud. I it's like I can't understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. that that one. Yes, yeah. that is what happens. And then they end up doing the same like swinging the cross thing. Yeah, running. Even off. more crazy. I think it's implied that the Elaine already got married by that point. Yeah, because they're yeah. kissing. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and she the, runs off. You see the priest like married. closing the book. Yeah, I like when he calls up uh, the in the gas station. The Reverend, and he's like, "This is this is Mr. Smith's brother, uh, Reverend Smith." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds so made up, and it and it totally works. And and the guy, the gas station attendant says, "Do you need any gas, Father?" <laughs> 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 so many great moments there. Uh, I love this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. I think it, it holds up really well. I think it's such a modern movie. It feels so real. It feels style. like it could come out now. Like it could be released today yeah and not have to change that much no yeah 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 like i mean all the, the prices of stuff and you know sure. like some of the furniture and whatever but yeah by and large it's it would totally play for modern audiences um another reason maybe i, think, I don't know it's weird to like have such common social events now <laughs> i mean it, it is you know we bowl alone now but uh, yeah. i think rich people if, if, if you'd have to draw out the richness of these Don't folks, those house more. party settings show up a ton in movies these days. Anyway, I used to see that. I feel like I see them everywhere. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like you. Yeah, would. but this is like a specific thing that, like, as I said earlier, like you get home from work and you like you go to someone in the neighborhood's house and you have a cocktail and. Well, you you, yeah, I, you I, still make it work. Yeah, I think you could translate that to a modern setting without that much trouble. But sitcoms do it all the time, and it's fine, right? It just feels <clears> like they have a lot more leisure time in this movie, and that like doesn't feel as real. No. Yeah, right? it like, felt like the parents weren't doing any work ever either. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because again, they're, they're uh, only the father would work. He's yeah. a partner because they, they're, they, yeah, they they're, say he's a partner, mostly yes. a lawyer or something. Yeah, Google, they mentioned that Mr. Robinson went to law school. They said, did you meet yeah. him in law school? Yes. Yeah, yeah. but in the 60s, you, you don't work 80 hours, you work. Nope. You work probably 35. Like zero, <laughs> apparently. You probably drink during those hours. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, this, this is a Mad Men era. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what feels to me most isn't right now. Yeah, I, I agree. That's yeah, That would be the toughest thing to transition. The but amount of leisure time that they have. In, in terms of like the basic uh, plot beats and the themes, yeah. that's that, universal. That would all work. You could pick that up and cool. put it in. And it's why it's copied so frequently, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so next week... We don't know what we're watching yet, because uh, no. it's the results of our uh, readers poll. Um, we're going to let you in on the, the secret here. We record these episodes ahead of time <laughs> and post them two weeks later, uh, so we don't have the results yet. Uh, so we can leave a space for edit. We can leave a space here. for so edit. Be the winner of the new readers poll is the Big Lebowski. So join us next week yeah. <laughs> for whatever movie we just mentioned. Yeah. One Coen Brothers film. One Coen Brothers film. Um, I hope you all vote. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. See you next week. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.